Hello again and welcome everybody to another episode of the Feasible Filmcast. It is April 27th, 2016. My name is Chris Martin. Uh, you can follow me uh, at Lee Van Martin. Um, we've got a lot to get to today, a bunch of reviews, uh, mainly monster movies, uh, some horror movies, uh, subpar action movie. Um, mainly we're going to review uh, The Witch. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to get to any news today because there's so many reviews, but we'll be talking The Witch, Green Inferno, The Prince, Goosebumps, and some old monster movies from the 50s, uh, namely Behemoth, the Sea Monster, and The Black Scorpion. So, uh, again, thanks for listening. Um, if this is your first time, uh, yeah, just let me know what you think. Uh, you can email me at feasiblefilm at gmail.com. Um, or just message me on Twitter at Lee Van Martin. Just let me know in general what you think of the show, or um, if you have any questions. Uh, like I said last week, I'd like to start up a like a Q and A, and there just wasn't very many that came in uh, this week. So I just need a couple more, and we'll do we'll add like a, a question and answer segment, like at the end of the reviews or or the news or whatever. So yeah, so welcome again, and let's go ahead and get started with the first review. Um, the first one is The Witch, and uh, it is from, yeah, it's from last year. It's, it was directed by, um, who was it directed by? Oh, yeah, Robert Eggers, and I believe this is his first movie, and it's, a, uh, it's in the New England in the, uh, I believe, in like the 1600s, and you don't really know much going in, and I, I think that's probably best when you're watching this movie. I know... If you read some of the reviews beforehand, you know, when they were coming out, like in the festivals, that was one thing, uh, namely, that they would mention was to not know anything going into it. But um, we're going to go over just a little bit of it. Um, it's going to be hard, kind of hard to talk to talk about without spoilers. So I think since uh, a lot of these movies have been out that I've been reviewing a couple of weeks and some a couple of decades, I think we're just going to go like straight into spoilers. So especially like The Witch... Um, and Goosebumps, and because that one's kind of hard to talk about without uh, spoiling as well, and The Green Inferno. Um, we'll just go straight into spoilers. Um, and if that's one thing that um, you guys want is like spoilers off the bat, just let me know. Um, I know some of the podcasts I listen to, I like them to just have spoilers towards the end. You know, I, I like it to be like non-spoiler. So that way you can kind of listen to it and get a sense of, you know, how the movie feels and the tone and things like that and not have anything spoiled or really anything ruined going into it. So, um, but um, and just in this case, you know, especially a lot of these have been out over a year or so and several years. So we're just going to go straight into spoilers. So caution, you know, if you want to see these movies, um, just skip ahead or come back to them, you know, when you've seen them. But um, okay, so The Witch, I guess, is more, I'd say it's more of a thriller than a horror movie, but like I said, it was in the New England in the uh, 1600s, and a family kind of gets uh, banished from uh, the small town, and they get sent out um, to like a wilderness, and like into the wilderness, and they they have a newborn son, there's uh, mother, father, and four kids, and then some, you know, animals, like a a goat and um, well, mainly just goats and chickens. Um, but, 
Yeah, so one that one day uh one of the young kids is watching um the young uh son and uh it's taken, you know, it just disappears from her. She's she's playing hide and go seek and she opens her eyes and the child just disappears. And so um you know that kind of adds to like the turmoil within the family and um you kind of get to see what they're going through. Um uh, throughout the movie and, you know, with them fighting with each other. And, you know, it's really just uh, more of like a uh, – it's more of like if you mix kind of like the village, but you add a little bit more of a fa- fairy tale aspect to it, um, a little bit of a darker tone, I'd say. It's not really – it's never really that scary like the preview will have you believe. And one of the one of my main criticisms going into is it's kind of hard to hear – so a lot of them have like speak with that old English tongue, and it's um, some of the some of the words, namely the the father, is really really hard to understand. He kind of has like this, you know, gruff tone, and it's very very hard to understand. So that was one thing, um, you know, I, I'd almost la- like to watch it over because I I feel like I miss some things just by not grasping what they were saying. It's it's a really hard accent to 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 nail down. So there's that. Um, like I said, there wasn't anything particularly scary, but all in all, towards the end of the movie, I, I thought that, um, uh, of course, there's like witchcraft looming. So there's a problem that's looming within the movie, and, uh, you know, this force that came and, you know, quote-unquote took the kid, and, and you don't know if, if, you know, the kids are possessed. Um, you know, there's a real strong religious uh, overtone to the whole movie, like, uh, you know, it's it's hit over the head between all the all the kids that they're sinners and they need to repent. You know, and you know every single day they need to you know pray in the morning and at night and during the day and they shouldn't lie and follow all the commandments like they were told you know in the Bible and everything and um, that really is there just to ramp up the tension. And I didn't think that any of the sequences that played out were necessarily. Uh, uh, scary, like I was saying, it just it kind of just flows all together. And um, when you when you're done watching the movie, it's it's actually a really cool uh, idea, like a plot wise, to see like a um, uh, like I guess the like a uh, witchcraft or like a, a witch origin story. And like I, I don't know that that's actually been done before, or one that you know I haven't really seen in the past. But you know, just seeing somebody transform into a witch or you know, being kind of cast aside by society and not trusted and things like that, but then um, embracing it because they have nothing left at the end um, and, you know, becoming a witch, you know. I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, the acting was good. I thought, you know, it could have actually been a little shorter, even though it's only like an hour, hour and hour and a half, I think, or hour and 20-something minutes. I think it actually could have done a little bit better as maybe like a short, like maybe a 45-minute short would have been perfect. Um, and But, yeah, like none of the red, really the, there's a red herring set up that, you know, the kids are possessed. And there is a witch out in the woods, and one of the kids goes out and is possessed by one. And, you know, they come back, and, and uh, you, you know, you find out that the, that I don't know the kid had been poisoned or had some kind of a spell on him or something, 
and he ends up passing away. And then the other two kids that are there like have seizures and stuff, and it makes it look like they're possessed as well. And they blame the older daughter, which is the main character of the movie. And she's just, uh, you know, trying to tell them, you know, she has nothing, she had nothing to do with this. She hasn't, you know, nothing to do with anything about them pings is possessed or anything. She just jokes about it because everybody seems to take it so seriously. And so, you know, just in a small lapse of, you know, uh, 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 of, of like fortitude, I guess she just like likes to make fun of the kids and, you know, and tell them that there's evil in the woods and things like that. And that that's going to come for them too. And, you know, it's just a lapse in judgment the whole time. And, you know, it really comes back to bite her towards the end. And, um, you know, once, you know, once everybody gets killed towards the end, you know, she's faced with just embracing uh, being a witch, I guess, or, you know, going back to she has nothing left. So she may as well just embrace it. And I thought that the last like 10 minutes really uh, opened up uh, like conversation, you know, and it's really like kind of like seals the deal for me is like being something that's a little bit better than, you know, most of the movies that come out nowadays, you know, where they're all cookie cutter. This one's a little different. It's, it's, um, I gave it a four out of five. You know, I, I was saying it could have been shorter. Um, but I can, you, it, it, it definitely leaves, um, it definitely leaves an imprint, I guess, on like the quote unquote horror genre. And it's one that you would remember to, you know, kind of recommend to somebody if they were into something slightly different, you know, like fans of, you know, like Troll Hunter or, you know, some of those various like uh, Bigfoot movies, you know, some of the ones that take themselves a little bit serious, they go down more of like a Pawnee pool almost, like more of like a serious path and something that's slightly believable and, um, you know, walks that line. And especially at the end, you know, there's quotations at the end that say that, you know, it was actually uh, manuscripts and notes from back then, you know, uh, about uh, what happened to you in this time. And so, and, and it was pulled, the words are pulled straight from these journals. So, you know, if that's true, I think that's really interesting as well um, to incorporate, you know, old folklore. You know, it, it like, like I said, it reminds me, reminds you of something like Shyamalan would do, but this is done so much better than his past couple movies, um, like The Visit, or you know, because that even seems like it's like an old kid's old wives' tale that was brought to life, and you know that one comes to a twist, and it's just that's it. There, there's nothing really that terrifying about that one either. Whereas this one, you're in the, it has a really good mood to it, and the only thing, the only other thing, negative thing I'd say is it's not very cover, colorful. It's real, I mean, I know that's what they're going for, but it's very drab. It's very pastel, like there's a lot of pastels. There's a lot of like whites, grays, and dark colors. And there isn't, I mean, other than like the hut that they live in, it, it, it's not really that colorful. So it gives you like a gloomy mood, but it doesn't, it doesn't give you that terrifying aspect as well, like something like on Camp Crystal Lake or something like that. It never... And that that could be the soundtrack as well. That was pretty forgettable. But other than that, you know, I definitely recommend, you know, checking out The Witch. It was good. Um, And then the next film that we have on the docket is The Green Inferno. And The Green Inferno, I guess, came out a couple years ago. And, I mean, it's Eli Roth's 
It's a Neil I. Roth film, so you really know what you're getting into. He's going to try to modernize an old, uh, you know, an old horror genre, old film, and this one, it, it's just, it's, you know, I mean, the if you saw, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen pretty much the entire movie. There's nothing really there, I don't think, uh, other than like a Midnight Madness crowd that's going to get any type of enjoyment out of this. You know, if if you like cannibalistic movies like that deal with cannibals, I guess it's, I guess you could say it's up there. You know, it seems like the movie was, uh, it's like almost like they focused in. It's like you read, uh, you went on Wikipedia and you read about cannibals and you picked out like a couple of interesting ideas from that and you're like oh let's go ahead and just make a whole movie over this you know it's a cannibal movie everyone will go see it and you know we'll attach Eli Roth to it and he'll bring in his comedy and he'll bring in you know his filmmaking and it'll be real cheap and you know we'll make our money back in spades so you know I actually didn't look up any of the numbers I don't know if that's true but the I mean just everything about it from the beginning to the end is just absolutely terrible um you know and i i just don't see how eli roth has any type of audience at this point you know every uh every movie that he's come out with uh, i guess hostile i guess was the last one that was decent and kevin fever was okay but he tries like i was saying he's he he has the same stick shtick and he uses it on every single movie it's just it's really really getting old and like i was saying like if like if this was showing it like a midnight madness i can see you know the people going there are are going to be fans of the genre they're going to be fans of seeing something uh that's uh has like exploitation or something in there that's going to like wow them or scare them or or make them laugh or a combination of all those things and i i can see this working there but like i'm saying it just it just didn't do anything for me being a big horror fan it didn't do anything it's it it the first hour i mean the the story is there's a uh a college campus and uh there's a there's a two freshmen there that are you know going around the uh you know the square inside the school there and there's like an activism group and they're talking about you know trying to get jobs back for our, for janitors that are in the uh, school system and they they end up getting the the jobs back for them by picketing and you know, and rebelling and things like that and, you know, meeting, doing meetings and getting these people like health benefits and things like that. So, you know, the, the girl, the main girl, the, uh, uh, at the college or whatever, becomes interested and, you know, you find out that they're going to go overseas and they're going to, uh, protest a, uh, a, like a, a forest being, uh, torn down and a civilization, civilization being wiped out. So, and that that's enough for her just to go jump on a plane i believe it's in cuba or something jump on a plane fly over and be back you know by monday morning you know right back at school and you don't know where the funding's coming from you don't know what you're going to do there nobody asks any questions it's just we're going to go over there and protest that's all they know and so you know they fly over they touch down and you know you find out that there's a private militia that's actually helping these people or, or helping this company tear down the trees. So you find out that they all have to, they're going to go chain themselves to all the work equipment so they can't move. And, 
you know, when kids ask, well, like, oh, well, what about the private militia? I didn't know we were going up against them. And, you know, the guy's like, you signed up for this. You can leave if you want to. And, you know, of course, all of them are real embarrassed and they just want to go ahead and do it. And, you know, the best line of the whole thing, it's just these throwaway lines at every turn, every corner is so absolutely ridiculous. It's, you know, their, their cameras, quote unquote, cameras will be their weapons and they'll be able to hack into a satellite to stream to the world, stream to every news station, stream to all the social media channels and, and you know, be online 100% of the time. So if they're hurt, you know, nothing will happen because they, these people are in risk of, you know, uh, being torn down by the media or whatever or seeing that there's a problem there and, and acting, you know. So they're putting their lives on the line. So this is literally like 50 minutes I've already gone by in this movie. And they're still doing this activism stuff and, you know, trying trying to incorporate some kind of a feeling, some kind of a notion that you care about these people. You know, there's the smart one. There's the pretty one. There's the the guy who, who doesn't really want to be there. There's the drug addict. You know, you have all the typical people there. And the setups are just, they're just so poorly done. There's nothing really that interesting to look at. It's very, very boring to up to this point. And, you know... They, they stream, they, they, so they, they lock themselves onto these trees and things like that, you know, just like you, you know, you, you see a lot of these activism uh, people out there doing. And, you know, of course, the private militia shows up and they all have masks on. So even if they were being filmed and they were shot at, it's not like anybody would know who these people are. And they're on another part of the country. And even the activism people don't even have, they're putting masks on. So nobody will even know who they are. And it just becomes absolutely ridiculous at this point. So, you know, they film what they need to film. They quote-unquote win. They go back up into the plane and it crash lands and cannibals capture them and throw them into a, I don't know, like a, not a jail cell, but like a little jail made out of bamboo. And then the re- and this is like 56, 58 minutes in. And the rest of the movie, it's just them getting cut up and eaten and eyes being pulled out. And it just looks ridiculous. Um, But my main complaint with all this, you know, once the mayhem starts is, for one, it doesn't look real. I mean, they could have gone a little bit more, I guess, for the realism. I mean, I know there's a little bit of a comedic side to it. And, you know, they probably need that for the ratings. But, I mean, if it's getting, like, you know, the ratings that it's getting. I mean, it seems like you could go all, all out on this. And, you know, they use some, like, I guess techniques that other filmmakers have done as far as, like, the gore and, like, the gore hounds love and stuff like that. But this seemed too too digital, too thought, thought of and thought through. And the sequences just weren't scary, you know. I mean, they played more as laughs than or, or something that's absolutely ridiculous than anything that's serious. And that was another point. It's just this movie takes itself way too seriously. It it thinks that or it's trying to have both pieces of the pie here. It's it's ha- it's trying to be serious, but it's also trying to be funny as well. And for me that just does not work. It 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 needs to go one way or the other. Um or, I mean, it, it can split the line, but there's there's some ridic- ridiculous stuff. Like one, for instance, one of the uh, one of the people die inside their little cell. And uh, one of the guys, the drug addict guy has, excuse me. The drug addict guy has a uh, bag of weed and they stuff it down 
hard throat because they know that each person that dies, they, they smoke them in this pit. And so all the, the, the vapor goes out around the whole city. And of course it has to have a shot of every single person coming up and just standing next to the smoker for, for what, eight hours or so. I don't know, six, seven, eight hours. I, I don't know. And, and then all the, all the, and then they all, of course they all get high and stuff and, uh, the, all the villagers do, and then they try to escape and, you know, that fails of course. And that's, what I was talking about it. Just, it fails on every level, you know? It fails as something that's trying to be something more as like some kind of call to action activism. It fails on the comedy because it's not funny. It fails on the filmmaking because nothing is particularly that interesting other than the plane crash. The acting's bad. The casting was bad. Um, the at the end is absolutely ridiculous. You know, she has there. There's some kind of throwaway uh, line where the main character has. Uh, she was a going to be like a flutist and her mom gave gave when she passed away gave her a necklace that has like a mini flute on it and for whatever reason this kid keeps coming around and she'd play like a note from it every so often and so the kid the very end the kid helps her escape and it's absolutely ridiculous and then the end you know the end it's like they're all of course she's the only one that makes it back and they're all mourning the guy who died at the end like you know some of the people that that brought them over to the country or whatever they they're mourning him so it's like what was the point of anything and then it just ends it's just it's terrible it it i mean it's really long and i you know if i was gonna you know give it a review score i'd give it like a one one and a half out of five is what i gave it on letterbox so i i just it's it's just not that great i, I would not recommend it whatsoever but uh I've, I mean, I haven't seen Cannibal Holocaust. You know, it, that to me, I guess I'll see pretty much anything horror-wise. But from what I've heard on that movie, I mean, I've known about it for years and years. But just what I know about that, be, it being so realistic and, and it's just something, I don't know, that I just don't want to see for whatever reason. And I know there's cuts out there that cuts out a lot of the, the main things. And, but from everyone I've heard just says, you don't get anything out of it, I guess. I mean, other than, you know, it has a clear message, but, you know, getting there is, is really bad and it's stuff that you'll never forget. So I don't know. It, like I said, I'll see anything, but that one is just hard for me to stomach. And I can't, I guess I can't, don't really have anything else to compare this to, um, as far as like cannibal movies go, but. I mean, just, just movies in general being lost in the woods. You know, Eden Lake was good. Uh, High Tension was good. Um, trying to think of some others. Troll Hunter, I mentioned earlier, was great. Um, you know, and it, and it used a lot of special effects. And I thought the acting was so much better than that. And that was, I guess, it's considered like an indie film. And I don't, I don't know what kind of budget it had, but it was really good. But... Uh, you know, I mean, even even the movie we reviewed uh, two weeks ago, The Boy. I mean, that even that was, you know, I mean, it doesn't really deal with uh, him being in a four or the the Hollow. That that was that was really good. So, those are all better recommendations than this. Um, so, definitely not recommended, and definitely out of all the movies, uh, it was definitely the worst I'd seen. And the next one, yeah, I'm not. It's nothing really to talk about. It's just one I just kind of saw in passing. It's called The Prince. And 
the top billing, I guess, is Bruce Willis on the cover or in John Cusack. But nowadays, it's like when you see, I've come to find out, I mean, just over the past couple of years, especially stuff that's on Netflix or, you know, that goes straight to DVD, any of those covers that try to sell you on a like a big actor that's on there, um, I mean, we've known this for years. I mean, Seagal has made like a 10-year <laughs> career out of this. But, you know, it just seems like now, like, bigger actors that aren't getting roles in Hollywood or bigger roles are, you know, paid probably a, a hefty sum to be just to have their face on the cover. And this one has Bruce Willis and John Cusack, and they're both in it for a total of a total of maybe five minutes, five to ten minutes tops. And it stars this other guy I've never seen before. But it's I mean, it's really nothing to talk about. It's, um, there, there's like a retired, well, he's not really retired, but there's a, a hitman who does a job and, uh, is, is supposed to assassinate, uh, Bruce Willis character and puts a car bomb in his car, but, uh, his family gets into it instead. And of course the, the car blows up and, you know, they were in, you know, he feel, I guess the guy feels bad about it happening, but he's known as the prince because he, he's, he's like the prince of the underground. He like takes care of business. He takes out everybody. He's kind of like the Schwarzenegger character, like in commando, like or or like, uh, you mean, it's like everybody knows that this guy's a bad, bad dude, you know? And throughout the whole entire movie, the, the main guy's looking for his daughter and, and, you know, she's, She's a drug addict, and he's trying to go from place to place, trying to find out who she is, and he's just leaving, like, bodies in his wake, you know. I mean, just beating people up, and it just has... I mean, the only reason... The only reason that I gave this movie two stars out of five is just because of the absurd action. You know, everything else about it was just straight-to-DVD drivel, but, you know, some of the action sequences were just kind of fun, you know. I mean, if you could just watch the a 10-minute cut of just the action, I guess you might get something out of it. Um, but the other thing, I guess, is it, it does have a couple of... Uh, uh, oh, and, and um, I guess the main, the main other plot is the, the, uh, the assassin, uh, Bruce Willis's character, finds his daughter and, and captures her, so the, so the main assassin's going after her. And, you know, you have the classic scene of him showing up at the gun store and getting all the guns together and you know, arming himself completely and going in, going in and, you know, just trying to destroy everybody. He must bag like, he goes into the office building and it just seems that the only people that are working at this office building are people that are armed and just like roaming the, the halls because no one else shows up. It's just the bad guys. And he must blast like, I think probably like 30 guys at least 30, 35 guys just going up to Bruce Willis. It's just ridiculous. But um, I definitely wouldn't recommend this. I definitely recommend it over Green Inferno. But, yeah, don't see this if you see it on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. It's just terrible. Now, the next movie I really, really enjoyed. It's, um, it's Goosebumps. And this one was surprising to me um i guess i could give a little background like when i was you know when i was younger and goosebumps came out that was like what everybody was reading and i know you know i guess like in the mid 90s like the big the big books were you know like 
I guess like, or at least in our library at like elementary school was like Nancy Drew and Hank the cow dog. And, um, what was the other one? The Harry brothers. I forget the, the brother crime fighting duo brothers. And it's just, I guess it was just mainly because they had like the books were numbered and they were easy to get. And it just seemed like that's all the library had was just these, I mean, I know it's elementary, but you know, nowadays with everything being so accessible, I would have like started on so many different things um, that we didn't get to, we didn't start until like later, like in fifth and sixth grade, like any of the C.S. Lewis books or, um, you know, Moby Dick. I mean, I know that's a little bit later, but I mean, I, they could easily start reading that around fourth grade, third, fourth grade. Um, but, you know, it was just mainly like, you know, just these books, like it, like, like goosebumps. And like I was saying, and uh, those are ones I kind of gravitated towards. So whenever there was, a, when you were to go to the grocery store and there was a new one, you know, I'd always beg my parents to buy some. And because they were fairly, I look at them now, after I watch the movie, I look at them now and I see that they're only like 70 pages, some of them. And I remember um, them taking me like all night to read, like four or five hours to read. And I get, I don't know, like that's kind of crazy to think now that I could read it and like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, whereas back then it took me like almost all night to read. But I guess back then, you know, you were really trying to, to delve deep into these stories and hadn't really seen anything. Or, um, you know, a lot of the horror movies, especially around that time in the 80s and 90s, were a little bit more uh, mature, focused on like teenagers and things, something you'd really understand, I guess, at the time. You know, nothing you could really get into or might be too scary, but Goosebumps rode that line. You know, they, they had their little heroines and things like that and heroes in there. Um, but, you know, they were like these small contained plots, which were great. But anyway, under the movie, uh, I thought, see, I thought that this, uh, oh, and like I said earlier, this is definitely going to be all spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, um, well, especially all these movies, but if you, especially if you haven't seen this one, this is like, this was one of the highest rated ones I think I've seen that I saw this week. So if you haven't seen this one, definitely skip over this review. I'd say just go watch it now. I thought it was great, but um, yeah. So what I thought it was going to be is I thought that the movie was going to be based on like one or two of the books, just kind of like off the poster. It was just, you know, going to be welcome to dead house or stay out of the basement. you know, they were just going to kind of go over those cues and, you know, and show some of the monsters and, but the main plot is, you know, a, a kid and his mom move to a new house. They move out of New York and they move to, I think they moved to Maryland, Delaware, something like that. And uh, uh, they set up shop in this like house and there's like a creepy dude next door, which is Jack Black and his daughter that lived there. And, you know, uh, you know, he, he uh, like befriends the girl next door and they start talking and Jack Black comes out of his window at the very beginning and tells him, tells him to stay away and not to talk to her or whatever. And, you know, and he finds out that the girl doesn't go to school or whatever at the, at the high school and like talks to her and they get to know each other a little bit better. And, uh, he hears like one night he's like studying and he hears like a scream over at her house and he goes over there and him and his friend go over there and break in. And there's all these goosebump transcripts all over the wall like like on a bookshelf and you know this is already like 30 minutes in i'm like well, when are they going to get to like whatever the story is like whatever the monster is going to be or whatever and so i was really trying to figure out what was going on and i was like definitely pleasantly surprised finding out that um you know jack black is like actually playing rl stein 
and that those manuscripts are all real. Like whenever he was um, growing up, he had this typewriter that was like a magic typewriter to where when he wrote, he didn't have any friends or anything and he was always inside. So he'd write these stories to, and he would like come up with all these like monster ideas and things like that to uh, uh, have like a, uh, an outlet or have friends, you know, so he, cause he didn't have any. And so I thought that was really interesting. And then uh, on top of that, you know, when you go and open these books, the monsters come out of the books, like the letters, it's, the letters come off the page and they form the monsters in the book, which is really cool. And there's a lot of, um, uh, like, there's like a lot of Easter eggs, I guess, from the books that you'll just love, like, like titles being thrown around and like, uh, you know, like the cuckoo clock of dooms in there and, you know, just things that they don't mention in, in the, in the movie, but you'll see like things that you'll see, you'll just recognize if you've read, you know, a lot of the books and, you know, it's just neat. Like they, you know, all the monsters get out and of course, like the number one monster or quote unquote monsters, the slappy doll from, uh, slappy's, uh, I forget what they were called. Uh, what were they called? Um, I don't remember what they're called, but Slappy is like a ventriloquist dummy that comes to life and kind of like terrorizes the family. And they made like several of those books. I remember there's like Slappy's Revenge and I don't remember. I think they made like three. I'm not sure though. But anyway, it gets out and it starts letting all the other monsters out. And, you know, they start terrorizing the city. And usually like when bad things happen, Jack Black packs up his daughter and they move. But this time... Slappy like says, I'm not going back into the book ever again. And he burns his book. So he's out forever. And he goes over to all the other monsters and drives around town and just unleashes them. Like the mummy, um, the, the jack-o'-lantern, um, from the scarecrow one, uh, you know, I mean the, 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 uh, the clown, uh, there, I mean, there's just all of like the classic, uh, like the Venus flytrap monster blood. I mean, all like the classic ones are let loose and, and, uh, you know, the kids and Jack Black all to get together and they're trying to figure out a way to like contain uh, all the monsters and get them back. And it's really kind of ingenious because they like they were they 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 crack a lot of jokes about Stephen King and R.L. Stein. You know, R.L. Stein saying he sold so many more books and he has nothing on him and he, he's put out so many more books that are quality than him. It's it's fantastic. So they play with that a lot in the movie, like R.L. Stein versus Stephen King is really funny, I thought. And towards the end, um, like, I won't spoil, like, everything, but, like, one of the things I, I really enjoyed was they have to, like, write their own story. And the story that they're writing, when they finish it, you know, they're, they're trying to get, like, all the monsters to come back to the books. And so they have to write a story that has, like, twists and turns and things like that in order for it to end. And so they have to finish a book. They have to write a book. They have to give Arl Stein some time to go in and write a book on the special typewriter and you know while the monsters are running amok like causing chaos around town and you know it just had some really good effects the action was good the acting was great um the set design i thought was really well done i mean um the like the places that they go it's just like a really fun family movie you know it has like laughs it has a little bit of drama has some comedy you know there's definitely several people to root for um if you if you're not even if you're not a fan of the books and you just know about Stein or if you know about like Stephen King I still think you get some some enjoyment out of it it was, it was really really funny you know I found myself laughing quite a bit so I definitely recommend it I, I gave it a four out of five 
And it's definitely like one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. So especially like for everyone, it's a really good, I think it'd be a really, really good family movie. So um, I would definitely recommend uh, watching Goosebumps. And then the next movie I have, or the next movie that I watched was a strange one. Um, now me, like me and my dad have like been kind of watching some of the old, uh, like monster movies. He, he, uh, actually got me into listening or watching. Um, he started trying to remember some of the movies that he watched when he was a kid, like at the drive-in, like some of the monster movies and stuff that scared, you know, it was kind of like, you know, really, really scary to them. And he remembered like this one called Reptilicus and it was really similar to like Godzilla at the time. I believe it was like a English production and it's very funny. Like the, the, it's really, really, really bad, but, um, you know, it, it, it was really, really funny. So from then we watched like earth versus the flying saucers and, uh, watched like some of the Godzillas and really, I, I really just started, I mean, other than Godzilla and King Kong, I really hadn't seen, oh, and a lot of the old like monster movies, I guess some of the classics. So, thought we'd sit down and like watch some of the other ones and so one of the other ones that was like high on the list was the sea mon the giant behemoth like the sea monster and this one is attacking the uk as well it uh it um i really it wasn't really much to this one i didn't really enjoy it that much it's just you know there were some uh atomic tests that happened in the uh, under the ocean and a lot of the radiation like transformed uh, this di- this dinosaur, and you know it just came out and it would uh, give out like the it would had it was almost it would just show up and it would just give out this radiation like burns pe- burn people's skin and give them like radiation poisoning, and it just took a long time for them to even show the monster. Um, the sets there's nothing really remem- memorable about the music or the sets or even the effects weren't that great. And it attacking London, they used a lot of uh, miniatures. Um, they used a lot of, uh, like, uh, you know, I don't know. It, they, used, they used a lot of effects that just weren't that effective. They, you know, the, the miniatures don't really, didn't really add anything to it. The scenes of it actually, like, walking around the claymation and stuff looked really bad. And the actual monster design just was really uninspired. It just... It looks ridiculous. The eyes don't move. You can just tell that it's, it's just. I mean, I know a lot of these movies. You, you know, they're real cheesy, but this one in particular just had nothing going for it as far as like terror wise. It just, it just kind of was there. It didn't really do anything for me. It was really boring. There was a lot of lulls in it, and it being so short felt really long, and um, th- there was nothing really spectacular about the acting um, or anybody that was in it. The music wasn't that great, and um, another problem was uh, like the miniature designs that they used. I felt like they had these like planned action sequences. You know, where there there's this part where the dinosaur comes out of the water, and it would show the same sequence over and over of just its head, like from its neck to its head, and then its tail just coming out, and then there'd be like another like ten or fifteen minute lull till you got to see it more, and. Uh, with Reptilicus, I mean, it, Reptilicus was just like a, it just looked like a float that was on a car, you know, driving around. But at least, you know, you got to see a lot of it. And you got to see, you know, the military come out. And you're doing this too, but it's just not the same. It just doesn't have, it, do, it doesn't have, um, 
any tension or any really any humor. It plays it real straight. And uh, but yeah, like some of the I don't know if this is just because it was the the uh, like the up transfer, like the the high quality transfer, but the set designs just don't did not hold up whatsoever. And um, especially. Oh, excuse me. Especially uh, there, the barge. There's like a barge that all these people are on, and it's knocked around, and you know they just show show some camera st- uh, tilts, and some people run this way and run that way, you know, left and right, kind of like they did like the uh, ship battles on uh, like the old Star Trek series. And uh, buddy, I mean, it just looks so terrible. And I, I I gave this one two and a half. I'd say it's it's down there towards the bottom is a lot of the like the classic, you know movies monster movies i guess from the 50s that i've seen so far it's definitely towards the bottom uh, i'm i'm sure there's definitely worse ones than this but I, I you know i didn't really see why i mean it's enjoyable and i know it had like the focus on you know what they were shooting in different angles and things like that but it just i don't know it just wasn't that good so like i said i only gave it like a 2 uh, 2.5 out of 5 and i wouldn't really recommend it i'd recommend like, you know, if you haven't seen the classics, of course, but, you know, if you want something that's going to entertain a little bit better, I'd say Reptilicus is better. Now, the one that I, and then the one we watched right after that, which I really liked, which was older, was the, it's the Black Scorpion from 1957, and I thought this was fantastic. It it had, it, uh, I'm not sure, uh, uh, I think, yeah, it came out in 57, and you know, it was just about two geologists who uh, are, are doing like some experiments near this volcano. And they go up there and they're looking at the rocks and whatnot. And they, they come across a woman who falls off her horse and they go over and help her out. And, um, you know, you find out that, you know, the government in town, like quote unquote government, I guess, the mayor or whatever, um, one doesn't really want them around doing these experiments and tests and things like that because they don't want them to get hurt. Um, but the town, you know, seems to, everyone seems to want to help out. Um, you know, do these experiments and they, uh, they find like a piece of obsidian and they look at it and on the back side of it has a, it has like a, an actual scorpion fossil in it. And so like, well, he's like, let's get a picture before you, they break it open. So they break it open and like the scorpion inside is actually alive. And so, you know, they go to, um, like the, they go back into town and they speak with the scientist who's there does who's been doing all types of like different experiments and you know on rocks and uh on life and things like that that are there in the in the surrounding areas from the from the active volcano and uh you know that's where you got got the humor because the guy's kind of like a mad scientist as so some of his lines are pretty funny and you know they all they all there's there's time for character development and it but it doesn't seem like it's all that long at any point in time you know it it seems like it's the right amount and that's when you know like the scorpions come out and they're like they're humongous they're like the size of i don't know they're like the size of a small building and you know the thing that is just so great about this is i mean i know they use it over and over and over is like the i can see how this would be like terrifying back in the day like this would be like their Jurassic Park, I guess, of now, like like in modern times. Because it shows like this, every single time it shows the, the scorpion or it shows their face, its face, and it's like real slimy. And it has like these really creepy eyes. And it's actually on the cover too. And they show this sequence over and over and over and over again. And it's almost like 
it becomes like a subliminal thing. Like they're they're like they know that the effects. Uh, you know, I'm sure at the time they knew the effects were like cutting edge and things like that, but this just added on to it. And even nowadays, it, it was pretty terrifying as far as what they were able to do with like the claymation and the little over overlays that they do and the rotoscoping and stuff is actually really good. And, you know, the way that the scorpion attacks people and, you know, it, it attacks a train and they, they use everything in the book, you know, the, you know, the, the vehicles on the uh, little sound stages, you know, that have the, the wind blowing through their hair and have the movie screen behind them and showing them going left and right and things like that and having the video in the background. You know, all of that stuff was uh, really, really well done. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and it comes down to like a huge battle at the end. And, you know, it goes, it's, it's awesome. It, it, shows, it shows the scorpion like going through, like being in the desert area. Then it shows it going into town, like breaking down walls and attacking them. And, you know, like it shows like weapons don't do anything to it. Rockets don't do anything to it. But, you know, they find a, um, a sweet spot that they can hit, that they can try to kill it. And they send in the entire military. And, you know, it's just, it's just um, you know, it's just like, you know, toy cars and things like that blasting away. And, you know, and you can definitely see the wires on some of the, <laughs> some of the creatures that go by. You can definitely see some of the wires, which is actually really bad. But, um, you know, it could be just because it was an HD. But, um yeah, the music, the sound design, the special effects, the acting, um, the drama. It just was like a really good package. It's like a feel-good monster movie. You know, it, it didn't it didn't really have like the ch uh, like the like chills or anything like that or like the um like the grand scale of like a King Kong or like maybe of like a Godzilla because it's just focusing on these uh, just on these few people. But uh you know, I thought it was really, really effective, you know, and it was really fun. And, you know, I definitely, definitely recommend checking it out. It was it was really, really good. So um, those are the reviews. Um, I think this uh, next week we're going to review uh, Midnight Special. And I want to check out uh, Hush is the new movie by the director who did Oculus. And so kind of curious about that. I've been hearing kind of some mixed things, so, um, but I thought maybe that might be something to check out, and, uh, you know, I, I thought, like I said, I hope, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, um, you know, just, uh, if you're on iTunes right now, or you're listening to iTunes, just go on there and give a review, and rate it if you would mind, um, share it with your friends, like on Instagram, or Twitter, or whatever, and you can get me at, uh, Lee Van Martin on Twitter, uh, like, message me, uh, follow me you know I'll, I'll post all the updates about the show there um, you know asking for questions or anything like that so you can follow me there um, feasiblefilm at gmail.com you can write in um, for any suggestions for the show or any other parts um, you know or segments or anything else you know just I just want to make this like is, is like this cool place to listen to you know someone talk about their passionate movies so um yeah, like I get, like I said, thanks again for following, um, and until next time, stay feasible. Cryo sleep.